Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Ajia, President of the Garden State Initiative. My guest today is Colonel Jeff Cantor, the founder and CEO of the New Jersey State Veterans Chamber of Commerce, which launched in November 2018. He is a co-author of a new report GSI released in cooperation with the Veterans Chamber that looks at how well our state is living up to its commitments to veteran-owned businesses. After a 32-year career serving in active and reserve duty, he retired in 2017 at the rank of Colonel in the Army Reserve. Jeff is a veteran of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and has been awarded a Legion of Merit, a Bronze Star Medal, and many other awards over his career. Colonel Cantor previously served as the lead for veterans economic development for the state of New Jersey, supporting veterans through meaningful employment or entrepreneurship, as well as helping formerly incarcerated veterans. Colonel Cantor has also helped veterans impacted by Superstorm Sandy, those affected by poor health and mobility, and financially supported the families of members of special operations killed in the line of duty. He is currently the CEO of Lima Charlie Construction, which provides asphalt milling and paving, as well as concrete, utility, and other construction site work. Now, here's my conversation with Colonel Jeff Cantor. So welcome, Colonel Cantor, and uh, thank you again for involving GSI in this project. We're very honored to work with you. Now, the focus of your report is about our state's commitment to doing business with our veterans. And in 2015, the legislature and Governor Christie recognized the challenges faced by veterans and enacted legislation requiring our state government to set aside 3% of state contracts to be awarded to disabled veterans' businesses. So, Colonel, let's talk first about who these veterans are. One of the most impactful portions of the report, I thought, was where you describe veterans as an unrecognized, disadvantaged class. What challenges are veterans facing, particularly those who have recently returned home from serving? Well, Regina, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. It was great to work with GSI on this initiative, and it really, truly is meaningful to thousands of veterans out there who have started businesses or even thinking about starting a business. So thank you for this opportunity. You know, veterans face a lot of issues, a lot of obstacles in their way. You know, in 2018, the Federal Reserve Bank and the SBA did a study about veterans and their, and their ability to access capital. And what they found was that veterans are significantly disadvantaged as it relates to capital versus non-veterans. They have normally have lower credit scores. They have less collateral because they've been moving from you know duty location to duty location, and because of that, they often are turned down for business loans. Hmm. Which you know the hardest thing about running a business is cash flow. So you have to have access to some sort of of capital, and it's very difficult for veterans to have that access to capital. Additionally, when money comes down from the federal government to the states, it's often tied to a specific type of diversity spend, such as an SED or DBE spend. An SED is a socially and economically disadvantaged business, and a DBE is a disadvantaged business enterprise. And unfortunately, veterans or disabled veterans are not included in either of those definitions, both at the federal level and the state level. Really? Yeah. Any money that comes down from the federal government, veterans are pretty much shut out of any of that type of funding and projects to to perform. So 
we truly are a disadvantaged and yet unrecognized disadvantaged class of, of business, which is very frustrating. Sounds that way. And, you know, you've uh, mentioned that there's several fiscal or financial uh, obstacles in their way. And I think, you know, in 2015, the legislation I mentioned was intended to try to help, you know, set aside. So what's going on with that now, seven years after the legislation was passed? Unfortunately, uh, not much has been done to remedy the current situation. You know, there are 72 state agencies that uh, have procurement power in the state of New Jersey. Only a couple have given out contracts to disabled veteran businesses. Only two are actively enforcing the law. And none of the 72 agencies are reporting their dollar spends or percent spends on disabled veteran businesses as what's required by law. So we haven't gotten a lot of traction with that. I mean, we've gotten two, which is a, which is a step forward, but we really need a command emphasis from the administration to say, hey, all state agencies with procurement power need to enforce this law to better protect uh, the veteran class of businesses. Wow, that's really disappointing. Only two, you said, are actually issuing procurements or awarding procurements out of 72, did you say, agencies that can? That's exactly right. And then no one's reporting. You know, we've requested information from each of those 72 state agencies, and they're not reporting their data. So you have to go back and Oprah, try to Oprah some of the information. And then we even gave a class, a block of instruction with the Attorney General's office and with the Office of Diversity and Inclusion on how to effectively roll out this program. And we spelled it out for them, you know, how to enforce a good faith effort, you know, how to report, how to do everything that's required by law. And still no one, it's only two out of 72 are actually, you know, enforcing it. And I would guess that there's a lot of uh, veterans here in our state that have their businesses and trying to compete for this. In fact, Colonel, can you estimate how many businesses should be benefiting from this set asides and what kind of difference the support would make for those veteran owned businesses? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are thousands of veteran businesses in the state of New Jersey alone. Wow. Um, we, you know, we have 855 members in the Veterans Chamber of Commerce, and that goes up every single day. Not everybody's a member of the Veterans Chamber. Uh, that's also certified uh, disabled veteran business. So it's really uh, frustrating to see that all these businesses that have gone through the process of certification, which by the way, is not an easy process either. Mm. And the process of pre-qualification with the various state agencies only to be told, nope, there's no opportunity here for a disabled veteran business because we're not going to enforce the law or we don't know how to enforce the law. And it's just, uh, you know, they, the state really needs to step up and do its part because, you know, these individuals stepped up to do their part when the nation called or when the state called to defend and protect America and our democratic rights. And when they come home, just to be neglected and forgotten about is really a slap in the face to all veterans. Absolutely. And that's why we're, again, so grateful to be working with you on this project, because we just see this as an opportunity to improve the lives of not only the veterans in our state, but also the whole procurement process um, that the state is overseeing, as you say. And of course, like everything, other states also have veterans and are also involved in similar, I would guess, procurement processes with the businesses. And I think in your report, Colonel, you said that New Jersey ranks 49 out of 50 for supporting veteran-owned businesses as defined by the Small Business Administration. 
you know, I think it's great. I think you're challenging our state government to improve our performance in this whole category and move up to join the top 25% of the best states for supporting veteran-owned businesses. So when you look at those other states, which ones are really getting it right? We could pursue some of those same ideas here in New Jersey. Three states come to mind right now. Michigan, Wisconsin, and Virginia are really doing it right when it comes to veterans. Michigan has uh, both a set-aside law as well as a price preference law so that veterans, when they bid on any state-funded projects, that they get a 10% preference on their bid to make them more competitive against non-veteran, you know, larger organizations. And they've they've given out hundreds of millions of dollars to those uh, disabled veteran businesses to date. So they got it right. They certainly have it right. And the Wisconsin governor uh, just helped fund, just uh, granted $2.1 million to their state veterans chamber of commerce to help do better outreach and better performance metrics for their veteran businesses. To date, I mean, we have not gotten that type of inclusion in, in state government. You're doing this all on your own, am I right? And volunteering, and you have your own business that you're running, right? That's exactly right. So I'm CEO of my own business, which requires 90% of my time. And then the other 10%, which has turned into 90%, is to help other veterans uh, in this capacity. So, you know, when I'm sitting here working weekends, uh, you know, and I know that people in state government aren't in their offices, but I'm still behind my desk trying to move the needle forward to help my veteran class, my peers here, it's just so frustrating because, you know, I, I see that it's overlooked. I see that other states are doing it right. And New Jersey, I mean, we should be at the top of the list. There's no reason why we can't be. I know this governor is supportive of veterans. He said that he wants to help veterans. There's no reason why this decision can't be made and a, a greater support should be warranted for the veteran community. Have you ever competed on a state contract with your business? I have. I was, I'm was. i one of the lucky ones. I'm one of the few that actually have been awarded a state contract, actually a couple of state contracts. Um, and it wasn't easy. And, you know, it's just so funny because the state entity that issued the contract and required that the prime contractor have a 3% set aside for disabled veteran businesses, uh, we're all excited that they were actually following and enforcing the law. And yet we had never gotten a contract with that state agency. So the state agency wasn't familiar with my company and they were going to take the contract away because they don't have a proven track record with that state agency. So it's like a catch 22. Yeah. So yeah. we had to spend some time talking to them and say, hey, look, you know, we have this type of work outside of the state agency that you could refer to, but not within the state agency. So even when you think you're going to get a state contract, it can be taken away very easily because of lack of performance. And what's, what's interesting is that there's not a strong experience level of disabled veteran businesses with state agencies because the law has never been enforced. Right. So it's a catch 22 and we're trying to prove our way that, Hey, you know, we, a lot of these businesses, these veteran businesses, do have the experience. You just have to trust that they have the experience and, and check. You can vet them through other means outside of a state government. And it's just, it's a long process. Thankfully, my company, we were lucky to get some state contracts and I'm grateful for it. And we were now a proven entity. So, but a thousand more that haven't gotten that break that are like me that are trying to get that break. So I'm here today to really fight for those other thousand that are standing right behind me 
that have raised their right hand, taken the oath and defended our nation. And it's only fair that they get their chance as well. Well, and as you say, like you have to get that first chance in order to be able to get the next chance. So your report is really very solutions focused. And most of the solutions, frankly, I think are pretty simple in a matter of getting the bureaucracy we were just talking about to follow a law. So what would you say are the next steps that would be the most impactful for veteran-owned businesses right now? Ultimately, it comes down to a command emphasis from the governor. If the governor is really committed to doing this, and, and I listen, there's no reason why I don't believe he is committed to doing this and, and should look at this. I think he could get the state agencies to implement that. It's really, as you, as you just said, the policies that we are recommending that he change are, are very, very easy to change and require really no, you know, multi-jurisdictional coordination. It's just a matter of, all right, we're going to change this and, and do this instead. And the important factor of this whole thing is that there's such a sense of urgency behind this. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that are literally being taken out of the pockets of veteran business owners because this law, the set-aside law, is not being enforced. And you know, if they just enforce the law, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars year after year after year that would be set aside for these veteran businesses that haven't been able to compete in the open bid process in New Jersey. So there's simple things like putting liquidated damages in for those prime vendors that don't do their good faith effort in finding a disabled veteran-owned business as a subcontractor, You know, having a price preference law like Michigan does and 13 other states do that would give us the ability to compete in the open bid process. You know, Reducing the uh, number of bidders from three to two would be ideal because there's no three bidders in any one category because there's so few disabled veteran-owned businesses that we can never be able to bid on a, on a contract as a prime vendor ourselves. We can only work as a subcontractor, and that's if the law is enforced. So just simple things like that just need to be enforced and emphasized and just change so that you give veterans a fighting chance to get a, a piece of the economic pie that they've been shut out of for so long. I meant to ask you before, so your point about hundreds of millions of dollars of contracts, if they the 3% were really followed, would be flowing right now to these businesses. And I think you said you have 850, right, in the chamber, but there's probably thousands that, that around the state that aren't right now members of the chamber who are willing, interested, and able to participate, you know, in this part of the economy. And it's administrative, I think, obstacles. I, I've you know, bumped into a whole liquidated damages issues, as well as uh, you, you called a price preference. So it essentially allows a 10% leeway in um, Wisconsin, you said it was, right? No, Michigan, excuse me, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. yeah, that has a 10% leeway because many times their hands are tied, they have to go to the least cost. And this gives flexibility to the prime contractor to be able to engage, you know, with a business like yours. So for our listeners who might be interested in joining or supporting the New Jersey State Veterans Chamber, Tell us a bit more about the work you do at the chamber. Anybody can get involved. Anyone can join the chamber. You know, we offer free membership to veteran and disabled veteran businesses, as well as military spouse owned businesses hmm. as student veterans as well. Um, so what we do, we have programming uh, for entrepreneurship training. We do networking events. We do access to capital events with different 
banks and, and CDFIs, which are financial institutions other than banks that can lend money. And we do all these things, you know, leadership activities. And we do this to try to build a better entrepreneurship class in the veterans community and give them the skill sets to help them be resilient and uh, resolve everything to make sure that they are just being the best that they actually can be and can be competitive. And it's so hard, right? Because veterans, you know, they were proud to serve. They were proud to go wherever the nation decided to send them, anywhere in the world, some nice environments, some not so nice environments. And they were proud to serve. And when they come back, they just want the opportunity to compete. You know, veterans don't want handouts, they want opportunities. And I think it's so important, you know, for a veteran coming back to New Jersey saying, okay, I'm here, I'm establishing my Jersey. I choose New Jersey to set up my business. Now I'd like to compete for some state contracts. Yet a lot of these companies who get most of the state contracts have been here for years, decades, generations even. And so it's almost impossible for a veteran business to, to compete in that atmosphere. So we just want a fair chance. We just want an opportunity to showcase our military work ethic, how well we work, our commitment to getting the job done, usually ahead of time, under budget, and we want to employ more veterans. So it has a cascade uh, effect as well. So you know, for those businesses that, that aren't veteran businesses, I would say, hey, maybe you could do business with a veteran business. We have a membership directory on the Veterans Chamber website at njveteranschamber.com. And just take a look, see, maybe there's a business there that you could do business with. Mm. You know, we're out here, we're, we're growing in numbers, and we just want our share to show that we can work as well as anybody else, given the right opportunities. That's wonderful. And the um, support you give to not just the individual veterans, but their families as well in building skills, as well as trying to, as you say, open up opportunity are well appreciated. And that website again is? www.njveteranschamber.com. .com. Great. Well, Colonel Jeff Cantor, president of the New Jersey State Veterans Chamber of Commerce, really grateful to have you uh, as a partner with GSI in this report. Wonderful to have you on the podcast, and uh, we'll have you back to see if we've gotten improved performance um, later on this year and uh, keep track of this as we go forward. Absolutely. And Regina, it was a pleasure working with you on this. And thank you to you and your whole team at GSI for uh, taking on this heavy lift with us. And it's always good to have collaborators and partners and uh, you can't win the battle on your own. You need to have support. So we can't thank you enough for that privilege. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at GardenStateInitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening.